Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. Some of you, I would say rather foolishly, but some of you are jealous of the fact I'm up here. And you wish, I wish somebody would just let me get up there and tell everybody what to do. But the truth of the matter is, this is a, let's get the slides up, this is a huge, huge responsibility. And uh, there are times that I'm not so excited about it being mine. Acts chapter 20, verses 27 and 28. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock amongst which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. How do you shepherd the church of God? One of the fundamental ways you shepherd God's church, God's people, is you make sure you're declaring the whole purpose of God. For the last 17 years, we've been deeply committed to working through Scripture systematically. And that makes us better. That protects us. That means you have not, in the last 17 years, heard my four favorite subjects over and over again. You've heard what the Word of God presents to us. And this evening, I sit in front of you, and I'd rather not be preaching what I'm going to preach tonight. I'd rather just leave you all where you're at and very content with how you're doing things and have always been doing things. There's nothing in me that is excited about exploring (laughs) the depths of change that this portion of Scripture calls us to. Mark Twain said, uh, skipping a slide quickly, that between Rudyard Kipling and myself, we know everything. I know everything that can be known, and he knows everything else. And... uh, some of us are pretty convinced that... We've kind of figured this Christian life out. And between you and at least your buddy, you know exactly how we're supposed to be living for Jesus. The truth of the matter is, we've all got things to learn, and I'm at the head of the line on that. 
And this portion of scripture, the end of Romans chapter 17, Romans chapter 14, and, and the first part of Romans chapter 15, to me, is one of the least understood, at least least properly understood portions of scripture in the entire Bible. I, every once in a while people tell me, I, I just wish we could be like the early church. And uh, if we were just like the early church, uh, everything would be uh, really, really good. Well, the truth of the matter is, there was for a very brief period, a very brief period, a time of peace and tranquility in the church where everybody had everything in common, everybody was loving each other, they were selling their stuff so nobody was struggling. That's how it started. And then some clashes of expectation and clashes of culture began to kick in. And the first time we see some troubles beginning to happen is in the food distribution of the early church. And in the food distribution of the early church, uh, there were a bunch of widows who were very, very hungry. And guess what? The Hebrew widows, the Jewish widows were getting fed and the church wasn't looking after the widows that had Gentile backgrounds and had come to Jesus. And there's some tension that begins to happen. And then we go on in the story, and Peter ends up in Caesarea, and Peter has the nerve to baptize a Gentile. And that didn't go over too good, baptizing a Gentile. And then when they realized Peter was serious about baptizing Gentiles, they got into a big argument about whether all these Gentiles who were coming to Jesus had to be circumcised. There's all these clashes of expectations and, and understanding. And we gather together tonight as people who have different understandings and different expectations of how we're supposed to live out our faith. Some say, well, it's, I don't really care what you say because in my culture, this is how we do it. When we were establishing our convictions as a church uh, 15, 16 years ago, we had a phrase that said we're going to be a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multicultural church. We don't say that anymore. We talk about being multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multi-racial, but we do not use the word multicultural. Because for the Christian, there's only one culture. It's the kingdom culture. It's what Jesus has expressed to us as to be the standard of the kingdom. We are no longer in the kingdom of the world. We are in the 
kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. And so how do we, how do we get along in this kingdom? Well, we need to understand what the kingdom of God culture looks like. So I'm going to try to talk quickly here, which isn't a forte of mine, um, and talk about what does the kingdom of God culture look like. And we began to look at it last Saturday night. And the thing we discovered last night, last Saturday night, is there is such a thing as disputable matters. And if you don't have a conviction and an understanding of the fact that there are things that we do not agree on and that Scripture does not take clear positions on, we're always going to struggle because we're going to think we've got it figured out when the truth of the matter is there are disputable matters. And Romans chapter 14, I love the New International Version. I hardly ever say that, but in this place I really do. Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. So in the kingdom of God culture, we understand there are disputable matters and we make a decision. I love the irony of this phrase. I love the irony of this phrase. We make the decision not to dispute and quarrel about disputable matters. That's an irony. We don't quarrel about disputes. But that's how we live in this kingdom. Because we recognize there are disputable matters. And we don't have to have everybody doing it our way. And we don't have to agree on everything. We're not going to quarrel about it. That is kingdom culture. That's how you live in the kingdom. When, uh, and I look back and say, how did you get so mixed up, Drisner? When I started in ministry, I had job descriptions written out for absolutely everybody, including the head usher and the ushers. And listen to this, you could not usher in the church I pastored if you didn't come to church with a three-piece suit on and a tie. And I had some people who didn't appreciate that. Can you imagine? But I held my ground because I thought I knew what was best. And I look back and I say, Father, Father, I made a big deal out of Nothing. Dispute over matters. And God began to deal with me, so I bought a registration to a holiness conference put on by the Vineyard Movement in 1991 in Edmonton. And that began a journey of change in my life that's resulted in the mess that's leading you now. I show up in this conference and God is moving by his spirit and there's words of knowledge being spoken. The spirit of God is moving and changing lives. 
and John Wimber is leading it in blue jeans, wearing a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. And he'd preach for five minutes and stop and take a sip of Coke. And I'm thinking, God, that doesn't work. She's not wearing a suit. You certainly don't drink Coke when you're preaching. I wouldn't have even had room for Pepsi at that point in my life. I mean, the guy was stretching me, but God was working. And we've made decisions about things. We've made decisions about things that really cannot be based on Scripture. You can't make the decision based on Scripture. It's just the culture you have become used to. And we die for culture, and we die for tradition. And God would remind us that we're in a different kingdom now. And the kingdom culture does not quarrel over disputable matters. Now, we have to go really, really quick, and I don't know how far you have to go, my good PowerPoint assistant, but find point number two for me tonight. Um, So three starting principles for getting along. And the second principle is that God has not put you in charge of the Kingdom Standards Control Department. Some of us feel like we've got this tremendous responsibility to make sure everybody's living up to our understanding of what the standards should be. In the kingdom, at some point, you get a revelation, at some point, I hope most of you have it already, that God has not put you in charge of the kingdom standards control department. Romans chapter 14, verse 4. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. (laughs) We serve him. He's our master. And you're usurping authority that is reserved for God himself if you try to take on the authority he has, which is the authority of of judgment. Romans chapter 14 and verse 10. Why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother? I like that phrase. Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I think if we got a real revelation of that, we might be a whole lot kinder to one another. All of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, when we understand that, we, uh, we don't uh, feel this authority to be the person who is running God's standards control department.
the instruction of kingdom culture is exactly the opposite. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Now, accept the one who's weak. What? We don't judge one another. What do we do? What do we do? We accept one another. Now, when I study Scripture, I look for repeating patterns. And when I see repeating patterns, I recognize that, boy, this must really matter to God. So let me take you to Romans chapter 15, verse 7, which is really the end of this whole dialogue. Now, therefore, accept one another. (laughs) So it starts, accept one another. It ends with, accept one another. We are not known in the house of God and as the people of God as a bunch of people who judge one another. None of you have put in charge of God's standards department. We accept one another. What's acceptance mean? Well, it's the act. This is the free dictionary's definition. The act of admitting someone to a group or organization, giving favorable reception approval. Oh, you can't come in here, and you're certainly not going to usher. You're not dressed right. been there, done that. It's not God-honoring. It's not how the kingdom works. It's not how the kingdom works. We receive one another. It's acceptance that creates room for growth while rejection stunts growth. Third point, last point. I only have three points. I'm talking fast. I'm working really hard at talking fast. Third point, you must give others the same freedom you want for yourself. Isn't it amazing (laughs) that almost everybody here wants the freedom to make decisions about where, where they're going to stand in relationship to issues. But no, you can't have that freedom. You have to give others the same freedom that you want for yourself. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Why did Christ die? So you could lose your freedom? Freedom matters to Jesus. Freedom matters a lot. Uh, So, this may take just a bit of time, but I'm going to talk about it quickly. I need an assistant. Paul, you want to be, I'm not surprised. Paul's going to be my assistant. You're going to stand right here. No, you're going to stand right here, right here. And you're going to face those people. 
and you're going to hold this, and you're going to get really tired of holding it, but you're going to hold it for a long time. <laughs> Jesus has come for us to have liberty. And if you can picture your spiritual journey as being on the highway of liberty, that's what I want you to picture today. Jesus came for us to have liberty in Christ. And if I could draw the picture here of this, these two center sections are this, this great big highway of, of freedom. And we live in this highway, and we drive on this highway, and we move on the highway of liberty. Here's the danger of everything I've been teaching about last week and tonight, is we forget, we don't understand that there's a ditch on both sides of the highway. And God wants you to live and move and enjoy the Liberty Highway. He really does. God's deeply concerned about that. But there's a ditch on the other side, and, uh, and it's not where God wants you to end up. So, Roger, come help me here. You won't have to stand as long as, and just stay right there. This is where the ditch starts. And all you naughty people are where somewhere you shouldn't be. You should be on the highway of freedom. But there's a ditch of legalism that God never planned for any of us to live in. You're meant to be on the highway of freedom. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 4. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 4. It was because of the false brethren secretly brought who sneaked in to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus in order to bring us into bondage. There are these people who secretly creep into churches. And they want to take away your liberty. And pretty soon you find yourself hitting the ditch here and saying, oh, I can't serve in that church. I'm not good enough because I don't have a three-piece suit. And we make up a bunch of extra laws that Jesus came to set us free from and we add it on to our faith, and we end up living somewhere that is never meant to be a part of our faith. We are meant to live and move and drive on the highway of liberty. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, you foolish uh, Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, this revelation of freedom in, 
<laughs> you see, you want everybody else to be free. No, you want to be free. But you want to make sure everybody else is doing it the way you want to do it and understand it to be. People deserve the same freedom that uh, you want for yourself. So here's the challenge I've had as I've been seriously working through Romans 14 and 15 in the last 25 years of my life. is sometimes I feel like I've backslidden. Because legalism has been such a huge part of how I was raised. And it's bewitched me. We talk about in the church the control of witchcraft. I've got to get rid of one of the bewitching things in the body of Christ is legalism. And we've got to be free from it, friends. You can end up in that ditch. So everybody says, Well, I'm going to stay over here. There's a dangerous ditch over here, too. And. Uh, Whoever the voluntold is going to be for this one uh, gets to stand the least amount of time. Who can help me here? Chris, I'm glow. I know you'd just love to help. Give Chris a hand. Give all three of our helpers here. We're legalistic around here. We only let men do this sort of thing. We don't, we don't let women do it. So here, here's what this other ditch is. Licentiousness. Licentiousness. Now, this really appeals to my baby boomer brain. Liberty, legalism, licentiousness. Three L's. Really works for me. Jude, verse 4. Certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Did you notice people crept into the Galatian church? And what did they do? They took them to... Legalism. Certain people have crept in uh, unnoticed. Jude writes about them. Long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into licentiousness and deny only our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So legalism is trying to keep all the laws. Licentiousness is I've got a license to do whatever I want. You don't want to end up over there. Hear me, hear me, hear me. You don't want to end up over there. And you don't want to end up over there. You want to live and drive on the highway of liberty. Thank you. Both of those are dangerous. Both of those are, are dangerous. So Paul, before he is unwrapping all of this, says, uh, Romans chapter 13, where, he's, where he introduced it and talked about loving one another, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to... We don't live over there. We don't live over there. 
We live here. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Some of you have discovered liberty in Christ. I hope most of you have. I actually hope all of you have. But you still have a tendency to judge. And if you're in this area of liberty, I can guarantee you, you're more likely to judge one side or the other. Well, I'm free, but I, these licentious people. <clears throat> or I'm free. I'm free. But I don't know how anybody can be so legalistic. The truth of the matter is, you don't want to be in either place. And the people who are struggling with both ends, you need to learn to be gracious with because the same grace that saved you is what's going to save them. So I'm done. Almost. I have to get my white piece of paper back. Thank you. I get my red piece of paper back. And I have to get my other red piece of paper back. And then uh, I need us to look at three scriptures. And I think the slide is really close to the beginning. I want us to look at three verses. Uh, should be about slide 9, 10, somewhere in there. Romans chapter uh, 14 and verse 5. And now it's down further than that. Go another five slides, maybe. Romans 14, 5. So, you've got liberty in Christ. That's where we live. But what do we do about that? Romans 14, verse 5. So there's three big arguments happening in Romans 14 and 15. One is about whether Christians are allowed to eat meat. One is about whether Christians are allowed to drink wine. And one is whether, uh, how you're going to handle holy days and Sabbaths. Those kind of days. So those are the arguments. What does Paul say about that? Romans 14, verse 5. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his mind. You have to own your own convictions. You've got to work out your theology and your faith convictions. And you've got to be fully convinced about where you stand on it. You have to do that. Do you know what I said? Did you notice his wording here? He doesn't say, and you naughty people who think some days aren't more important than others. It's not what he says. He says, each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Romans chapter 14, verse 14. I know and am convinced of the Lord that Jesus, in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. 
wow, chew on that one. <laughs> you have to build your own convictions, friends. And once you've built them, and you've built them in God's presence, and you've built them in God's Word, you need to be true to them. Because God's going to hold you for how true you are to the convictions you have developed, not the convictions that Pastor John has. Last verse, and then I'm done, done. Romans 14, 22. The faith which you have... What do you do with it? Have it as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. You make sure when you've figured out your conviction and you've really worked it through, you haven't just accepted it because you kind of like to lean towards the licentious, or you haven't just accepted it because you're kind of more comfortable really close to the legalists because they seem more holy. You work out your convictions for yourself before God and you'll be happy and you'll be blessed if you've done a really good job on that and really taken it seriously and don't end up condemning your own self and what you approve. So, didn't want to preach it, but I did. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.